kind of like that doctor was screening patients. I try to screen my clients too. Some of them, they want the magic pill. I think they want that magic. They want me to come in and say, you just push this button or you just buy this gadget and everything will be solved. And I can't do that. Sometimes it's going to take work. Sometimes you have to fix that leak. You have to get rid of the mold or you have to wire your gadgets. You have to do a little bit of work. You are listening to the Manage Mold Podcast. This podcast was made for families on a health journey that need the real, no-holds-barred answers on how to create and ensure a healthy home. This show should be your launching pad to give you the information, guidance, and inspiration and clarity you need on your journey back to a healthy home. My name is Dean Malstead. You can find and follow me on Facebook and LinkedIn. Welcome to Manage Mold. Welcome to the Manage Mold Podcast. We have got an amazing episode today. We've got Martine Davis with us. Martine owns a company that does inspections and consulting, and she's a wealth of information because she's been doing this a long time, and she has seen a lot of different things, I know, and the things she's inspected. She's dealt with a lot of different people, and a whole bunch of us are, are kind of finding each other now. We have some common equipment, and that's probably bringing some of us together. And I think we're finding out that we're learning quite a bit from each other. And so I am totally excited to have Martine Davis with us today. Her company is called Indoor Environmental Testing, Inc., and we'll promo that a little bit more, and we'll have a link up for you, obviously, on our Manage Mold Facebook page and website. And so you'll be able to connect with her if this is something that resonates with you. So Martine... Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Dean. It was nice to be here. So why don't you give us a backdrop, your story, however much you want to share and wherever you want to start. I think people would love to know where you come from and how you got to doing what you're doing. Yes. So about 20 plus years ago, we moved into a older farm home. And the reason why we moved is my career was taking me places and I had to move to a different city. So we moved close to that city, but we liked the country setting. And within a year, I got very ill and things went downhill from there. I had really no idea what was going on. I had been a healthy 40-some-year-old and I was healthy my whole life, my whole family. We don't even have any disease in our background. I'm from Europe and uh, I guess good genes. So all of a sudden when I started to get really ill and I had these very strange symptoms, I had no idea what was going on, going from doctor to doctor. And towards the end, I got to the point where they were saying, well, I was going to have to be in the wheelchair because I couldn't keep my balance and I was just going to have to get used to it. Um, I was diagnosed with pesticide poisoning. I was diagnosed with lupus, possibly MS. You know, the typical scenario that I hear a lot of times, almost weekly from my customers They don't know what's happening and it's really scary because you want an answer. But as it turns out, there were a lot of factors that took me down. It wasn't just one thing. The house had some environmental issues, obviously, a lot of mold. There was a crawl space that was not sealed. So there was mold in the crawl space, mold in the carpeting. I was also exposed at that time to a very high radio frequencies or microwave radiation because I was working from the home. And so not only I was in that home all day and all night, but I was wearing a wireless headset to conduct my business. And so it turns out later that's 
actually was the greatest part of the illness was this microwave radiation poisoning, which took my immune system down. And so to make a long story short, I ended up one time leaving for a few days and I felt better. And I kind of caught on that, you know, I feel better when I'm out of the house. Let's check this out. And calling around, there was nobody 20 years ago, there was nobody like us. You know, right, they didn't right. have mold inspectors or environmental inspectors. So I found a German school. It was a satellite school from a German school building biology. And I started to attend the classes. And it was funny because I couldn't even attend the whole five days. I would do two, three days and I would get so sick I'd have to go home. And then I would go back and repeat the class. And until I got it all, I started to test my house and found out all that was wrong with it. Interesting. Then we got it all fixed. And actually the house is pretty healthy now. but no longer in the house. The house is still occupied by people and, and they're feeling fine there. So that's kind of how I got started with the building biology and then built onto that. And I was just really passionate about finding out what's wrong with people's house when they're sick because it happened to me, you know, so it's that's how you get interested. Yeah, absolutely. That's an interesting story. So it's a little bit different than probably what some people are thinking. They're probably not thinking about the electronic part of our world. And obviously, as we proceed and move ahead, we could probably do multiple episodes on developments of technology, 5G and all that, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's kind of the, in my opinion, the EMF point is the elephant in the room. I see a lot of sickness, especially among teenagers, and the parents are spending tens of thousands of dollars trying to get their kids well, and they're doing all this testing, and they're going to all these doctors all over the country. Some are going all over the world, but the child is still using a lot of wireless technology all day long. They're isolated because they're sick, so they're using it more than others. And I always wonder how much of their illness is caused by the technology, because I mean, I know how it makes me feel. I never recovered from that radiation poisoning, by the way. That's why I'm wearing this wired headset. I can't be near a router, for example. My entire house and office are hardwired. And if I get close to a a Wi-Fi router, for example, within 30 minutes, I'm going to be really, really ill. So I never recovered from that. And when I see some of the symptoms that the teens are describing to me, you know, a lot of it is very much in point with the EMF exposure. We need to think about that. I think you're correct. And we've talked about this a little bit before on the podcast is while we call this managed mold, that seems to be the hot button word of this age that we're in. It gets people interested at least maybe in checking out the podcast from our standpoint and getting connected to kind of the best and brightest that we can find in the industry. And we've already had some of this discussion in the past that it isn't always about mold. It can be about bacteria, it can be about dust mites, it can be about EMF, RF, and all those things that go with that. And so that is a key reason why I'm excited for you to be here today to share that part of the story because I think it's going to resonate with some people who maybe have had advisors in their life, possibly medical professionals, possibly friends or family, who are steering them in a certain direction because they've been reading, you know, or they've been maybe in a Facebook group or something and they think they know what's going on. And we get to see, and I don't know what your breakdown of clients is, but I think we're about 98% medical in our business. And so we get to see all kinds of people who have already ruled out certain things for certain. And you come in with them and they've got this menu of things left that they're trying to figure out what it is. So you bring up a very good point. Yeah. You know, one thing I noticed when I was sick, 
the doctors that I would go to, they would always diagnose me with whatever their specialty was. Yes. So my first doctor was a thyroid specialist. So he determined that I had a low thyroid. Well, I think the low thyroid was because it was being destroyed by the microwave radiation. But then the next doctor was a heavy metal specialist. So she chelated me for, of course, I had heavy metals. So I had lead and mercury. And so I was chelated for that. And the next doctor was a pesticide expert. And so he said, well, I was a classic textbook case of pesticide poisoning. So it's very confusing, right? I mean, so right, that's why right. I think it's great for people like us that we look at all of the environmental stuff. Yeah. And we're yeah. not just about mold or bacteria or endotoxins or mycotoxins. We have to look at everything. Yeah. Sometimes it's as simple as I had a gentleman one time who had been diagnosed with COPD. He had a really hard time breathing. He was like in his 60s. And it turned out he had a huge gas leak on his gas fireplace. And he called me a couple of weeks later after he fixed the gas leak. And he said, you wouldn't believe it. He said, I can breathe fine. Yep. But we got to be careful about these diagnoses. Yeah, that's exactly it. Third opinion. Yeah. And so that's where I really want people who are listening to the podcast to think about this way. I think Martine sees what she does this way. I definitely do. And I know a bunch of other people that are getting together now and, and we're talking more openly and more often is all of us look at our sampling methods. We look at our various tools, whether it's a flashlight or a screwdriver or a little pry bar or a sampling vacuum pump or whatever. And we have all probably come to a point, the one those of us who are talking more regularly now, that we understand it isn't a single tool. So you and I both use Instascope, but we know that that is simply one of our largest tools we use, bulkiest tools we use, but it's only one of the tools we use. And there's a lot of days my flashlight's more important than the Instascope is. Absolutely. And so here's my encouragement to the folks who are listening is, don't believe you have to become solely dependent on one type of inspector. There's a bunch of us. And so Martine has a lot of specialty and a lot of knowledge experience in EMF and that realm. I have done a lot of following of a certain person out of California who shows really good YouTube videos on EMF, but I still haven't had great field training doing it. So I don't feel like I have the confidence to do it as well as say somebody like Martine. And so there's a certain point where if I've got somebody, they're a case that I don't quite understand and I've ruled out the things that I'm really good at, obviously I can put them over to Martine or do it right away if I can kind of pick up on where it's going. And then she can maybe either walk them through it or I think we've got the opportunity now with technology that we can help each other walk through even remotely teaching each other as inspectors or indoor environmental professionals to help people in ways that we couldn't before. So I don't know what you think about that, but it's kind of what we found as a family in the medical profession. We've got kind of our three or four favorite naturopaths, herbalists, and each one of them kind of has a niche that they're really good at. And so if you're kind of heading in one way health-wise, you can kind of go to the particular one and you probably have better results with that particular one who knows their stuff in that area. Yeah, exactly. And I think in the long run, you end up where once you start to get better, you define what works for you. And then you just like you said, you have two or three natural or even MDs. You know, yep. I have one MD that I go to. I have acupuncturist that, you know, as soon as I start to go down a little bit, I'll go get acupuncture because I know that works for me. Yep. And then somebody with herbs and supplements. So you kind of get your array of people that are supporting you 
because I think once you've been that ill, you have to have constant support. I know for me, if I get exposed in my work, I get exposed to mold, of course, and I've got to really watch it. I mean, I'm, I'm much more fragile than I was before I got hit. So. so when you go into a house or situation, when you're doing an inspection, how are you doing your PPE? Are you doing PPE or respirators? I'm doing mostly my problem is going to be upper respiratory. So I have really good respirators. And then based on what I see, I'll use, I have three different ones. I have kind of like a level one, level two, level three, level three is really big. And I'm considering upgrading even to some better ones. I don't think you can ever protect yourself enough. But I also take a lot of binders if I'm exposed to something I know it's going to be bad. I don't wait until I get sick. I get in my car and I start to take binders. I take clay and uh, charcoal and Corella and vitamin C. I mean, I really load up. And by the time I get home, I feel fine. Yeah. 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 You're very similar to our family that way. So here's a little disclaimer for everyone. Neither one of us are medical professionals. So anything that we talk about here are really our personal stories, the things that we've experienced. And so obviously go back to your medical professional, whoever that is, and make sure you check things out with them before you take our advice that way. But absolutely what you just said about the binders, the vitamin C, it's exactly the route that our family uses, even as we go into just shopping or moldy buildings and we come back out and we say, you know, that building probably wasn't the best place to be hanging out at. Yeah. So will you tell us a little bit about what do you do in your business? What kind of things are you offering to people as a service? Well, I would say in a nutshell, I do environmental inspections. And so I look at the whole environment Most of my customers are like yours, probably. They're doctor referrals. The doctor might say something like, you're not responding to treatment. Maybe we should check your environment at home and at the office. And so when I go in, I'm looking at all kinds of things, Uh, looking at the VOCs, the formaldehyde, the gases, and of course, looking for mold, testing for mold. And then I'm looking at the EMF picture too. I'll ask questions. What is this gadget right by your bed there on the nightstand? Is that a cordless phone? Wow. Is that a base cordless phone? You know, things like that. Or is that a baby monitor? So it takes me sometimes four to five hours. I've been in the house as long as six, seven hours. People throw me out, but I want to check everything. Yeah. Because it's not just one thing. People call me for mold, but if I see something else, I mean, if I walk in, and I smell formaldehyde, I tell them, you know, we got to check for formaldehyde because I'm smelling it and you're being exposed. It's a carcinogen. Let's check it out. Yeah, that's great to point out because I think a whole bunch of people, especially real estate agents, are used to this one and a half to two hour inspection. And you've expressed it well already. I can't even imagine what I would miss if that's the only amount of time I took in most homes. Because there's just so many things to consider, look at when you go through. And then as you're going through that checklist of, especially if you're doing the checklist that is not just mold, and obviously the checklist of, it has to start with water. So you have the mold and the water that go together, but then you've got the formaldehyde and the other VOCs. And those are great points. I think more and more, if we can get people conditioned to the fact that these types of inspections should take longer to get you a better picture of what's going on. I think people are going to have better results and better guidance. Well, you know, what's interesting is with all this technology now, we've got all these podcasts and Facebook groups. I'm finding out that my customers know so much already. And I think many of my customers know more than the actually the average mold inspector. Agreed. People that are 
have mold illness are so knowledgeable that they're telling their mold inspector what to check. Agreed. Yep. We find the same thing. Yeah. It's really interesting. Maybe it's a Midwest thing. <laughs> uh, maybe. <laughs> but probably not. It probably goes from coast to coast that way. So from there, what do you think our response should be to some of this electronics? Do you think that people should be getting a meter for themselves and checking things or learning how to do that? Or is it too complicated for the average person in a short amount of time to understand how to do that? Or do you have any plans to teach that? Wow, those are all great questions. I think from, uh, and when we look at the EMF picture, there are several things that we test. And there's dirty electricity, high magnetic fields, which could be from power lines outside your house. But really the big one that I think affects people the most, and that's the most commonly a problem, is going to be this RF or microwave radiation. So from the wireless stuff, and it's because we're bringing a lot of wireless gadgets in our homes and we do not know when we bring them in that they're emitting anything. And we've got no help from government guidelines because they're still in the dark ages from the 40s and they're measuring it completely differently. They're not measuring health effects, in other words. So we're on our own. And I think it is a good idea for people to buy like the $150 meter, RF meter, like from Safe Living Technologies. There's a consumer type meter that's very good. And it gives you like a green, orange, red. So you don't have to know what number do I need. And the higher, the louder it gets, the more you're exposed. And so when we bring in these things like Alexa or Nest or thermostat, or a smart TV, we don't realize we're being exposed the whole time that we're using those. And like in the case of Nest, obviously the thermostat is going to be on all 24-7. So if it's right by your bedroom, you're being exposed to microwave radiation 24 hours a day, or at least when you're in the bedroom. So I think, yeah, it's a good idea to get at least that RF meter. That would be a good starting point for the consumer. And then educating themselves with these podcasts. We have a lot of podcasts now. The last one was like the 5G crisis. So it was a great podcast and a lot of consumer-driven information provided in that. So I think that's a good place to start because we can't ignore that. We're not going to get well. And if I look at me, I'm going to get sicker from RF than I will from mold. So I really need to be paying attention to that. I think we all do. The symptoms overlap, like migraine headaches, rashes, nausea. I mean, I could go on and on. There's probably like 15 symptoms that are crossing over from EMF radiation exposure to mold. So how do we know which one is doing it? Well, one way that you can do it is stop using your wireless stuff for a couple of days and see how it goes, because it's going to be almost immediate. It's interesting. I'm not saying not to use those, by the way. I mean, I use all of the gadgets, but all mine are wired. That's the only difference. Right. That's interesting. I think number one, it would be hard for people to do that and take that little vacation, right? Yes. Because Very hard. we get all of those little feel-good moments when our fingers get to touch and manipulate and we get to see and hear things that and are... And there's a social aspect mm-hmm. to it too that we miss. Yeah. Totally. But I always say to people, you know, if you get sick enough, you'll do just about anything. I had a doctor one time, it was so, so funny. The first thing he asked me, he said, you know, I don't take every patient that comes through the door. He said, I have one question for you. If I told you to eat crap, would you do it to get well? And I said, yes, because I was so sick. I didn't care. I wanted to get well. And he yeah. said, okay, I'll take you on. Wow. Because I... if you're sick enough, you should be willing to do what's necessary temporarily, I'm not saying permanently, but temporarily to get well. Right. And here's probably something that, that people listening to the podcast might not think about unless unless they're in a position in their world where 
this is a reality, but you and I probably do the same thing with some people that contact us because we have the people who I would call the tire kickers, those who kind of think and they kind of wander a little bit, but they're not really excited about finding a solution, much less diagnosing the problem. And those are really hard people to work with because we can't, in, in our business, we believe that the people that we're serving are going to be their own hero. And if you think of hero stories, heroes usually have somebody in their life that guides them. But the heroes usually have to go through some sort of trouble, some sort of trauma, and it makes them stronger and it makes them the hero. And if the people don't want to be the hero, it's almost impossible for you and I to guide them with what we know. Right. Well, and the other thing that I see, and I try to screen kind of like that doctor was screening patients. I try to screen my clients too. Some of them, they want the magic pill. I think they want that magic. They want me to come in and say, you just push this button or you just buy this gadget and everything will be solved. And I can't do that. Sometimes it's going to take work. Sometimes you have to fix that leak. You have to get rid of the mold or you have to wire your gadgets. You have to do a little bit of work. And again, if you're sick enough, you will do it. And I have many of my customers are kind of like I was. It's like, I'll do anything to get well. Just tell me what I need to do and I'll do it. Yeah. How much travel do you do? Do you do much travel for helping people out? I used to travel all around the Midwest. And then when I got to Madison, there was so much business here that I really cut back on the traveling. And I'm not opposed to doing it. I was thinking about doing some trips down south. I have some clients in Tennessee. I have some in Florida. I could just kind of do like a trek, take the Instascope and go down the road right? You know, to test these people's homes if that's going to help. But of course, with the weather in the Midwest, you know, we're limited to the traveling for about six months of the year because I've been caught in some pretty nasty storms and I don't want to do that anymore. Right. No, no doubt about it. Before we started recording today, you and I were talking a little bit about sampling. There's a lot of confusion out there that I see on social media for sure, but then I hear it when people contact us, and then I see it on the intake forms that we send out, and then when I get on site, I hear it from people, and we start dealing with all of these different sampling protocols, sampling methods, and talk to me a little bit about what you've experienced with this kind of what your favorite mechanisms for supporting your investigation, because I think you believe like me, the way I always tell people is this, is I usually, I phrase it this way. Inspections to me are like a four-legged stool. The first leg of the stool is really important. It needs to be really sturdy. And that is what do the occupants and what do their health tell us about what's going on in that building? Number two is somebody who has some type of experience or knowledge that can visually see and that they can audibly hear what they're being told about that. Those are the two most important legs of the stool in my world. And then I don't know what the third leg is for, and I always say the fourth leg is sampling. And so talk to us a little bit about, I don't know if we're, we don't need to get into ERMI necessarily, but you're doing some DNA sampling. And I think people don't understand that ERMI is not the only DNA option out there. Right. Yeah, I don't do ERMI at all. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the first part is finding out the history of the house as far as leaks. That's why it takes me like a good hour, sometimes more, to do the intake. And that usually do that over the phone prior to going to the, uh, to the house. 
And then the visual inspection is really, really strong. And everything is necessary. Then my next step is let's test the areas that I can't see. And so I have my list of areas that I have often found mold through testing that I would never have found with a flashlight and visual inspection and the insiscope and so on and so forth. So those areas are going to be underneath the kitchen sink, underneath vanities when they actually have like a shelf inside the vanity. You know, there's that area below the shelf where if there's ever been an accident as far as leak or somebody spilling anything down there, you're going to have mold underneath that shelf and nobody will ever know. And the only way to find that out is to test. And then, you know, below the bathtub, I might even test behind the plumbing of the shower. And of course, the HVAC is huge. If they have air exchanger, if they have just sometimes a lot of people will have just a duct that brings in fresh air directly into the furnace. And if those are flex ducts, I can guarantee you 100% of the time I have found mold and sometimes uh, stachybotrys and ketomium. And uh, that was making people really sick. Um, people that were perfectly healthy, young, healthy people that got very sick short in short amount of time when that started to uh, get wet and, and grow mold. So those areas that I can't see, then I will test. And like you said earlier, you know, the, my, the Instascope is great and testing is great. I like to use DNA testing. I usually I'll request that that be done before I even get there. So that kind of gives me a starting point. If there's a lot of different species of mold, and I know there's been some history in the house. If there's almost no mold DNA, then I know it's going to be something else I'm going to be looking for. But I'm still looking for mold just in case, because the mold DNA is just another test. If you've got mold, let's say, in the wall behind your toilet, the mold DNA test probably won't catch it, because you're picking up dust that is floating around in the house and here you've got this mold behind the toilet wall why would that mold come out it has no interest in doing so it wants to stay where it's nice and wet yeah exactly yeah that's the other part too um when you walk into an area and i don't know if you found the same thing i was just in a house the other day i walked into this tuck under garage and you know how mold everyone calls you know, the black toxic mold. And obviously the black molds can also be other colors and the other colored molds can also be black. But there is something about mold in certain cases where it's almost the darkest black that you can imagine. And it has a 3D effect, of course. And I go and like with the Instascope, I can scan right next to you. And I've done vacuum samples before. And you can scan right next to a visible colony and you'll get nothing. Absolutely. And yeah. so... Same with the air samples. Mm -hmm. you know, so there, there's this air sample right next to that baseboard that's loaded with mold. And the air sample would show nothing, which is a good indication that air sampling is not that effective. Correct. And so there's a whole bunch of complexity to not just the mold, but also the RF and the EMF and the other things that it's so easy for us to take at face value some things that we think we know or maybe myths that have been proposed to us and kind of oversimplify some of this too. And it's really interesting when you do this work that you find out that the stuff you can see is kind of inactive because it, I don't know if it seems to be content being there. So obviously the encouragement for people, I see so many times on social media, I can see mold in my bathroom. And so they have this whole list of things that they're asking people, you know, what to do and how do I do? 
And I just go, you know, get some soap, get some water, and let's clean it first. And let's get down to that level. And then let's make a plan. Right. Uh, so sometimes we oversimplify, sometimes we complicate it. And there's this balance in between. And obviously, this is what we do. So we keep learning. And I think you're probably doing the same thing with your clients as much as you can is trying to educate where you can so that they get smarter about how to live so they can live happy and healthy, right? Right. And I think the takeaway too is we need to get away from this air sampling. You know, the thousands and thousands and thousands of mold inspectors out there coming in, charging people to take an air sample on the main floor and the second floor in the basement, and that's it they might go around with a flashlight. The problem I have with that is that the air samples, when they come back negative, it could give people a false sense of, yes. oh, everything's okay in my house, you know? And here we may have a lot of mold under the sink or under the tub or in the furnace, and none of that is ever checked. Yes. Yeah, the educating the public is number one, because when some of my customers, sometimes they'll tell me, you know, I understand that air sampling is not really what it's cracked up to be. And I think, yes, finally, we're getting through to people. Yeah. I always try and think of stories that I can share with people or examples to help them understand what it's like. And probably one of the most recent ones I've come up with is most people that we're going to be talking to here and who will be listening are people who will who drive vehicles. And probably most people who listen to this podcast have stopped at the gas station to fill their tank up with gas. So now picture driving up to the island where the gas pump is. And instead of grabbing the hose and the nozzle where your car is parked, go to the next island over and energize that nozzle. Put your credit card in, get it all approved, pick that nozzle up, have your fuel door open, and now fill your tank from across that parking area and have it go into that little hole. And so most people understand with the air sampling, the way I see it is, I've never actually seen mold growing in a colony hovering in the air in the middle of a room. And so it's got such a small inlet, and we know this from the cleaning industry that we've been in with a vacuum, most mold is growing under something or in something, and it's around the edges of something. And so it had its place for its time that we've used it, and I think now we're getting very smart about better ways to investigate. Yeah, I think the only time that I get a lot of mold in a air sample is when something was disturbed, either through mold remediation or the customer removed the carpet from the basement or something like that. Then you take an air sample in that room and you're going to get a lot of different mold spores in a large quantity because they've disturbed a bunch of colonies. Right. And same with the remediation. They're going in there tearing drywall out. And so if they don't do it correctly, you're going to get quite a bit of mold in that air sample. Yeah. As a general rule, you walk in a house and you take an air sample, you're really probably 99% of the time not going to get anything in that air sample. Correct. So why don't you tell us a little bit before we wrap this up today, tell us a little bit about the resources that you've got available for people, maybe on your website or if there's other resources that you make available where they can either connect with you, consult with you, or you've got resources that they can kind of do it themselves or learn on their own pace? Do you have anything like that? Yes. So I do offer phone consultations where we go through the history of the house and the issues. And then if it's appropriate, we can do some sampling long distance where I send some equipment to the customer. And then with my guidance and videos, they'll take samples. And believe it or not, we've had several customers, many of them actually, that had maybe a mold inspection out of state, 
and nothing was found. And then the customer through over the phone, we go over the history and we say, okay, let's test this wall cavity or that wall cavity. Let's test underneath the sink. Let's test your furnace. They come back with answers that yeah. they yeah. never got before on their own. They're doing their own testing, getting their own answers. And so now we're making progress and then they can get remediation with a professional. So we do that. And the website is airinspector.com. You click on book an appointment and then you just book a phone consult, either 30 minutes, 45 minutes or 60 minutes. And then there's also a lot of educational material that's on my website. I have some videos on how to take samples for people that are going to be working with me doing that. I also have just educational videos of my instructions when I was at the Building Biology Institute. So there's a lot of reading materials there. And of course, there's a lot on the internet, but at least when you go to a website like Dean's or mine, you're getting professional information rather than some of these website YouTube videos about putting bleach on things and using kills on mold. Those can be pretty dangerous, especially for people that have mold sensitivities. Yeah, and I'm going to add to some of the social media groups, sometimes the admins from those groups are people who have got their own health story like we do, but they haven't actually overcome their story. They haven't actually broke through to a success point either in health or their environment. Some of them might even be living in their vehicle and they're out giving professional advice, so to speak. And some of it is really awful. Well, and yeah, because I, I do get calls like that all the time where people say, am I going to have to get rid of all my belongings? Am I going to have to move out and leave my house? We have numerous stories of people that have done their own remediation, their own cleaning. They didn't have to get rid of much, maybe some of the poor stuff. And they're doing great. So we need to look at the other side, too. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Extreme. Yep. Yep. We've got the same results on this side. Yeah. So as we wrap up, we always want to try and encourage people because you and I both know you get to certain dark moments where you feel alone, you feel lost, you feel like you just want to give up, you don't know where to turn because it seems like you can't trust anybody. Obviously, we always want to bring the best of the best to this podcast, people that are trustworthy, who've been through it, who know what they're doing so that the listeners have really good resources and then we connect them, obviously, so that if they made a connection to you, when they're listening to this, they can say, you know what? I resonate with Martine. I'm going to give her a call. So we, we're doing that, obviously. But what would be some encouraging thoughts or an encouraging thought that you would leave with people who are going through this process? And maybe it's new to them, or maybe they're just stuck in the middle of it. Yes. Well, the most confusing part about all this, especially with the internet, in a way, the internet is great because it's teaching people a lot of things, but it's also confusing people because there's so many different opinions out there. Get as many opinions as you can. And one thing I found too is, I hate to say this, but a lot of times the doctors recommend a certain person that should be doing your mold inspection or your remediation. But just because a doctor recommends that person doesn't mean you should check that person out and interview that person and talk to them and make sure that you're comfortable with that person, that you resonate with them to use your terms, that they care about your situation, that they're listening to what you're saying. We don't want just like a cookie cutter inspection. Everybody's different. Right. And, and they need to look at all the factors and also look at things other than mold because otherwise we're going to get into a situation where you get a mold inspector and he's going to find mold. You get an EMF inspector, he's going to find EMF problems. <laughs> you get a bacteria specialist and he's going to find endotoxins. Yeah. So, you know, try to find somebody that's got quite a varied background. And, and the best people for that are going to be the people that got sick themselves and got into the business. Absolutely. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's great. Great advice. So this has been fantastic. It's pretty much everything that I thought it would be. Martine is so easy to talk with. You could discuss these things all day long. She has such a bank full of knowledge in these areas that she's talked about. And she's got a great setup for anybody who wants to connect with her. And so I would encourage you to do that. If you've got some things that connected for you today, you should definitely get in contact with her. We'll have the links. We'll have her phone number and everything posted for you. So if you didn't get that written down, but her website is airinspector.com. And so you can go look that up. And Martine, to me, is one of the cutting edge, one of the best of the best. And our family is aiming to actually make the indoor air quality, I guess, industry, specifically our focal point right at the moment is the mold industry part of this professional and to bring the best of the best out of some of what is gotten mixed up as some of the worst and present these people to the consumers who really need the advice. And so again, for everyone who's listening, if you're in that moment where you just don't know what to do, where to turn, you've been burned so many times, you're sick and you don't feel like you've got another day in you, I just want to encourage you, keep taking baby steps forward. Because those of us who went through this, that's what we did. We took baby steps forward. Try and find those people or a person who can help you take those baby steps. Sometimes we just need a person who can cheer us up on a day and get us to the next day. And sometimes that next day, a podcast or a website or somebody comes through your life that brings you to that next piece that you couldn't even imagine. And you'll actually come to a better place. And I firmly believe that with most people. I think if we just keep striving, searching, and advocating, I think we can come to a better place because there's enough of us, you and I, and others like us out there that want to help. And I think it's a great time. As hard as all of this is, I think it's a great time because we can be so connected now. So Martine, thank you very much for coming on today and being a part of this. I definitely want to get very specific in the future if you want to come back. And I want to talk about some more specific things and really concentrate on some specialty items. And I think that would be a lot of fun. And I think people would learn a lot from you. Thank you. It's a great program that you have. And I think it's going to help a lot of people. And we need more like this. Yeah. Well, let's you and I work together and see how many more people we can build bridges to, right? And we'll make this group even stronger yet. So, hey, everybody, this has been the Manage Mold podcast. Definitely keep coming back for more because there are more awesome people that we're going to bring your way. And you're going to learn some things that are positively positive for you. And you don't have to worry about being led astray. We're going to bring you things and guidance that are proven and that are going to find you success in your journey and where you're going. And you can add all of this to your knowledge base, and then you can share it with your friends and family, and you can help others. So this whole thing is too big for Martine and I to tackle. We need your help, and you need to spread this information to others. So everyone have a great day wherever you're at. If it's evening, rest well and come back for the next podcast. Thanks a lot. Thanks so much for listening to the Manage Mold podcast. Do you have a question that you'd like me to answer raw and uncut on the podcast? All you need to do is head over to Apple Podcasts and do three simple things. Leave a rating and review telling me what you think of the podcast. In that review, ask anything you want related to your home's health. And if you want a shout out, leave your Instagram handle or name. That's all. Then 
Listen in to hear your question answered live, raw, and uncut. This is Dean Malstead. Join us next time on Manage Mold.